Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park So uh, that makes me think because I remember watching uh, a live thing that he put up once, and uh, you're on it playing bass. Nice. And uh, at some point, don't you escape from a straitjacket? <laughs> where where does that come in? Because you 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 could pick locks, you can escape from a straitjacket. Were you raised by a magician? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And today I got something special for y'all folks. I'm talking to a dude who calls himself Sulphur. He is an indie rapper, a nerdcore rapper. And he recently put out back on October the 29th an EP called The Wheel of Rhyme. This is an EP that contains songs inspired by the Wheel of Time book series by Robert Jordan. And I have to admit, a few weeks back, he had tweeted out that this was coming, and my heart skipped like nine beats. I thought I was going to die. I was so excited. I thought I was going to die, folks. That's what happens when I get super excited, when I have a fanboy freaking just hullabaloo in my heart. I feel like I'm going to die. But he put the EP out on October 29th, I got it right away. I started listening to it. It's so good. I really enjoyed it. And then he tweeted out that, it, you know, hey, if there's any podcasters out there that uh would like me to come on and talk about this EP and talk about, you know, the show and the books, you know, because there's a show coming out. I don't know if I've said that before, folks. There is a Wheel of Time show coming out on Amazon Prime based on these 15 books from Robert Jordan. And I immediately said, yeah, come on over to my podcast, which, you know, y'all should know me well enough by now that I have crippling social issues. I've talked about it many a time. It's really easy for me to sit here in a room by myself and and talk like this and say stuff like crippling social issues. But when it comes to actually sitting down and talking to a person that I have never in my entire life met before, it is a difficult thing for me to do. But I wanted to talk to this guy because, A, he's a fellow Wheel of Time fan. B, he created this awesome EP. And C, it just made freaking sense, right? It just made sense to sit down and talk to this dude. And the thing is, is that just recently I went back and put together the stuff that we we talked about. You know, I just I kind of go through and I clean it up a little bit listen to the entire conversation. And 
I'm pretty embarrassed to admit that I did a lot of the talking. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was very nervous and I was trying to hide my discomfort by talking nonstop. And I have to apologize right here to Sulphur if, you know, if, if he, I, I doubt he did. He was a really nice guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't leave that call on Sunday and go, gee, that guy sure does talk. That's not what he sounds like at all. You're going to listen to this and go, why, why did Steven make Sulphur sound like such a dweeb? Do they say dweeb anymore? I do. I just did take that. Anyway, I, uh, I spent a lot of it talking. Not that he didn't. He got plenty of chances to talk. Yeah, I'm defending myself, even though I'm the one that brought it up. But, uh, yeah, I got to apologize right now. I feel like kind of a, kind of an idiot, uh, folks. I feel like an idiot and, uh, I am not ashamed to admit that. Anyway, this is it. Here's my talk. Me and Sulphur. We talk about the EP, we talk about the books, we talk about the show, we talk about all kinds of stuff. I personally had a great time. He tweeted out that he had a great time. We did leave the the conversation talking about possibly getting back together after the show is over, the, the first season of The Wheel of Time, and then just talking about the show in general, uh, which that is going to be a lot of fun, I think, because, uh, yeah, I really did have a good time talking with him. He seems like a really super nice guy, very down to earth, and the fella can rhyme. He can throw some flows together, folks. So here you go. Here is my conversation with Sulphur. I guess let's just start with the with the. Do you call them records these days? Since they're since they're all digital. <laughs> you, you do. You still call them records. Still call them uh, records. Yeah, EPs, LPs. You know, still still use the terminology. It's just MP3s now instead. Yeah. The the wheel of rhyme. I have to tell you, when I saw you tweet about that a few weeks before it came up, I just because I've I listen to a lot of nerd rap. I'm a you know I'm a big fan of Michael Kill. You know you know him obviously, and know, Adam, okay. Adam Warrock is who kind of got me into into listening to the nerdcore and. Awesome. And uh, never in my life did I think somebody, you know, I didn't even put it out there. Somebody needs to do uh, at least a freaking song about the Wheel of Time. Sure. And so when that popped up, I just my mind just freaking blew. I just <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, holy crap. Somebody did a freaking album. Well, is it it's 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 nine tracks total. One's an intro. Mm-hmm. One's a remix. Would you call that a, a, an LP or a, or an EP? I would call it an EP. You know, yeah. it's probably. Probably a good sized EP still. Well, first of all, it's pretty awesome. Thank you. It it and you had uh you had Michael Kill do some of that for you, right? Yeah, yeah. He did all the beats on the album. So Michael Kill did all the production on the album. I did almost all of the raps. And then uh yeah. our good friend Cecil Nick did post production, mixing, mastering, did a lot. So And you got the very first track is uh introduction with frickin' Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. Yes. Anybody who's listened to the audiobooks knows those two names. How Absolutely. did that how did that happen? You know, honestly, a lot easier than, than I would have thought. But uh, I, I thought it was a long shot when I tried. Um, what I found out was 
I'm a huge Michael and Kate fan, as I'm sure a lot of us are. I've actually looked for books that they've narrated just because they narrated them after I was done with Wheel of Time and a lot of Sanderson because it was, um, <laughs> I love that background you got there. But it was what is just. What's going uh, on with that? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> That's weird. I'm into it. I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> But uh, no, you know, like I was a huge, huge fan. And so just through being a, a bit of a fangirl, I wound up on their actual website one day. And what I noticed was uh, they're big supporters of this program called Books for Prisoners, which is yeah. really great you know, program to begin with. It does exactly what you think it does. And I noticed on their website that if you made a donation to Books for Prisoners, that they would actually send you a little greeting, you know, just a little, hey, what's up, Michael nice. and Kate? And I thought it was really cool. And so I wrote him and I was like, hey, what if I make a little more of a donation you're asking for? Because one, great program. I want to do it anyway, either way. But uh, if I do that, could I ask you to do something a little shorter for me, but maybe a little intro for an album? Totally did not expect them to say yes, to be <laughs> upfront and honest. I was just like, I'm going to shoot my shot, you know, just like Matt at the craps table and roll the dice. And uh, the dice stopped in my head. And they said, that sounds really interesting. We'll do it. And there you That's go. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm listening to the books right now. Um, I mean, I've. All right. So can I can I ask you how old you are? Of course you can. I'm 38. 38. All right. So I'm I'm a bit older than you. I'm I'm ai got a decade on you. Okay. so I've been reading these books since the mid 90s. And I'm sure that we're going to end up for the listeners out there. We're probably going to end up spoiling a lot (laughs) because it's just going to happen. There's just so much that happens in these books. Yes. What you know, once we start talking about the 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 EP, that'll get us talking about the freaking books. And I'm sure we'll talk about the show that's coming up. But the one thing we're not going to spoil as many times as I have read these books, I've yet to finish the series. The last two books I've never read. Oh, wow. I have this real issue with after because I think when I got the first book, I think the first three were out. So I was able to read those all in a row. Sure. Well, by the time the fourth book came out, I started to read it. And I'm like, I don't remember a lot of what happened before. I'll I'll reread the first three. And I started to do that every time a book came out. And after I think book seven, I just Mm. that I'm just going to wait till it's all done. Sure. And then I listened to all the books up through the first Brandon Sanderson does the last three. Is that right? He does. That's right. I think I, I think I listened to the first one and then I got distracted and I've just never finished it. So I'm the, the goal this time is to get through the whole freaking thing. So I have no idea. I have no clue how it ends. I have no idea. I'm assuming the good guys win. I'm just kind of what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the good guys win, (laughs) but I'm sure we'll get into that. What, what brought you to the books? Obviously you're a big fan. You made a freaking record out of it. Sure. What uh, was were they recommended to you? Did you stumble across them? How'd you get into the books? It's a good question. And, you know, it's been so long ago. I kind of forgot to a slight extent, you know, exactly how. What I do remember is this. Uh, I actually listened to your Eye of the World podcast and I have a little yeah. bit of a similar story in the sense that, uh, you know, I started reading these when I was really young. I think it was in middle school, to be honest with you. And I started reading fantasy through uh, things like Dragonlance. You know, I was reading those and really quickly into reading a few of those. I just kind of stumbled across Wheel of Time in the sense of it being talked about as, hey, this is the quintessential fantasy that you need to read. If If you're liking this, you should be reading this. And so very quickly into reading fantasy, I started on Wheel of Time and Wheel of Time kind of became fantasy for me at that point, like anything else was the ex- exception. Um, when I started reading, and I forgot what year it was, but I remember Winter's Heart was on bookshelves at the time. So, you know, yeah. Robert Jordan was still alive. Uh, I was reading through and, you know, as a kid, I got to Lord of Chaos, I want to say book six, and I put it down 
and I never put it down because I wasn't enjoying it. I just, you know, my reading time was getting a little older. Uh, reading time started to get a little slimmer. And I always had this thing in my head of, well, I'm going to go back to it at some yeah. point. I'm, I'm going to finish this series. And I didn't. And then I heard of Jordan's passing. And it was a really, this is, I, I don't know, maybe a little flippant because Robert Jordan's passing in and of itself is incredibly sad. There was this this moment of personal sadness I had where I thought I'm never going to go back and finish the wheel of time now. And even though I had stopped reading at six, if somebody asked me, what's your favorite fantasy? I would have absolutely told them the wheel of time. Oh, yeah. And I did all the way up even still until I picked it back up to finish it a few years back. And honestly, the reason I did was I signed up for audible um, at the recommend Michael kill had recommended it, an autobiography from a musician. And I was like, well, here's a free way to listen to that. So I'm going to yep. sign up for these three credits. And I blew through my first two credits because the autobiography was short. You know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book oh. I absolutely love. But You're speaking my language. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but it's short, too, you know. So I oh, got yeah. this third audible credit. And as stupid as it is to say, I want to get my money's worth. I want to get my money's worth out of this free credit. I remember Eye of the World, and I'm like, well, that's a meaty book. You know, that's probably 30 hours, roughly. And I got Eye of the World, not expecting to just immediately fall back into that world. I spent a year, roughly, yeah. of life just burning through all the audiobooks. So, yep. yeah. I'm I'm about an hour 46 done. Uh, into, well, I have an hour 46 left of book two. Nice. and. I it's just uh, it's really fun that I keep hitting certain things in these in just in these first two books where mm -hmm. I'll hit something and I'll go, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. in you know, later books and Perrin yes. is going to meet that girl and she he's going to go, he, you know, all this crap and stuff. And it's just amazing as a you know, I was right out of high school, I think, when I first read the book. But again, I think the most sprawling epic freaking fantasy book I had read up to that point was probably. I don't know if you read the Belgariad by David Eddings. Uh, don't. It's. <laughs> it, I remember really enjoy. I read it, and I think in in a when I was a freshman, and just loved it. It's what really kind of got me into fantasy. But I tried to get back into it recently, and it's really racist. And I just oh. I didn't realize it back then. But it's. And then I read more about him, and he he's he's sounds like he's kind of problematic too. So. Uh, that was a real that was a real disappointment. But, yeah, I started reading freaking Wheel of Time and it's just like these, you know, it's you think about the Lord of the Rings and how the Lord of the Rings ends. While those hobbits were, you know, they were different people, but they go back to their old lives, you know, to sure. a certain extent. And sure. even though I haven't finished this book, there's no way any of those folks are going back to their old lives. There's not just no way. By the end of the first book, you know, they're not going back to Emmons Field and raising sheep. By the end of this freaking this series, and that's I think that's it's it's almost the same sense I got when I started watching Robotech when I was like in grade school. It's like I've never seen <laughs> such a sprawling story like this before in a cartoon. That's how sure. I felt with the Wheel of Time. Um, so let's let's talk about the the EP real for for a little bit here. Okay. So like I said, there's nine tracks. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. looking at it right now. First one is your your spoiler alert with Kate Redding and Michael Kramer. Now, as I as I'm listening to these songs, it, it was pretty neat uh, just kind of picking out stuff, even though, again, I'm, I'm really I'm on the second book. But I, I, sure. I remember a lot of the stuff. So sure. like Son of Battles is my favorite song on the nice. EP. that nice. song freaking bumps. What what's the name of that freaking instrument that he's using there at the beginning or during oh. that song? Because it's just yeah. like that and a drum. It's just it's a wonderful question. I, uh, yeah. 
Not I really want to want to be able to answer it, and I can't think of it. In well, the that's that makes me feel good that I don't know. I even yeah. my my daughter is into Japanese culture, and I played it, and I said, "What's that instrument called?" She goes, "I don't know. I can tell you what it looks like, <laughs> but I don't know what it's called." But, same, uh, same here. That <laughs> song, I I come across the title, "I'm Son of Battles." That didn't, you know, most of these jump right out at you. Wheel the wheel weaves, obviously, Marilyn, Tom Marilyn, Ashamon. I'll be honest, I looked that up. I'm like, what's a freaking Ashamon? As soon as I looked it up, I was like, oh yeah. Those are the dudes, man. Those are the guys that his his little freaking Isodai army, man. They they were and that Mazram Tame, didn't he didn't he run them? Wasn't he the guy in charge of the Ashamon? He, he did. Yes. Because as soon did. as you start saying Ashamon kill, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The Battle of Dumas Wells. Servant, servants of all, um, really kind of a funny story about that. Cause like I said, I'm in this, I'm on the second book. Mm-hmm. The day that this EP dropped October 29th, y'all can get it out there at Bandcamp, bandcamp.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I, I, every morning I get up and I take my kids to school cause I work from home okay. and, uh, I'm, I'm been listening to the book. It's like a 10 minute trip there, 10 minute trip back. So- and I just happen to be on the chapter where Nynaeve goes through the rings to become an accepted. And they repeat that, you know, the way will come, but once be steadfast. They keep saying that throughout that chapter. And and then I I get back and I log in. I'm like, Oh crap, this EP dropped today. And I'm listening to it. And I get to that song. And I just, that really connected with me just simply because I had been listening to that chapter (laughs) that very same day. It was really funny, but, uh, nice. As I'm looking through these titles, as I listened to this EP, the first thing that struck me was, I, I, I have to ask, was it kind of a struggle trying to narrow down the ideas that you wanted to put in this thing? Because you got like, uh, well, you got a song about Matt Cawthon. You got mm-hmm. a song about Tom Marilyn. You got the Ashaman. Form and Flow could be about Rand or really, you know, any Swordmaster. Sure. You got the Aes Sedai with Servants of All. You got the Aiel with Wash the Spears. And, and those are my peeps because uh, they're they're my ginger brothers and sisters. Um, <laughs> but it's like there's so much more that you could have put into this thing. And I just mm-hmm. did. You, did you really start? Is there a lot of stuff in notebooks? Oh, that, absolutely. Oh, I bet. Because yeah. I got to wonder, do you just not like Perrin? Because he's not <laughs> in this EP at all. <laughs> I got to be honest with you, Stephen. That. That's the uh, one song that's actually written that's not on the album. Oh, um, man. Yeah, so I started writing a song called Wolf Brother. I still want that song to come out. Um, and something that the killer and I have talked about even is, you know, a, a deluxe edition somewhere down the road. Um, but there, there's so much, just, you know, 14, 15 books, if you include New yeah. Spring. Yep. Um, so many characters, so many plot lines, um, so much I'd really like to include on this that yeah definitely didn't Perrin is at the top of that list yeah I would say Rand is is kind of at the top of that list as well uh form and flow I was able to kind of think about that well here here's my Rand song here, here's my land song but at the same time it's kind of not at the same right. time so yeah see it was a struggle uh by the end of it I had to kind of have this this personal conversation with myself that well if i if i keep doing this this album is going to come out long after the show long yep. after this and i kind of wanted to you know kind of beat the show out a little bit give us something to listen to while we're going to watch parties and things like that yeah. so well it's it's like uh 
I, uh, I, I've self-published a couple of books and, and you go out there and you, you read up on, you know, writing and, and junk like that. And you listen to podcasts about writing and junk like that. And they, one of the things that you hear a lot is you got to kill your babies. Yeah. And, you know, when you go back to edit that book or when you go back to decide what's going to go on a freaking record, you know, you, yeah. you, something's got to go, you sure. know, and you gotta, you gotta kill your babies. And that's, it's just, it's, it's tough. Absolutely. But, uh, so of the of the three, let's just ask this. Here's a real fanboy question. Okay. Of the three, Perrin, Matt, and Rand, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite? I do. I do. I feel like my answer is probably going to be the most typical of the three, but it is Matt Cawthon. Matt, uh, yeah. As soon as I said typical, you know exactly where no. I'm going. It's clear. <laughs> what do you? What do you? How do you feel? Do you? Do, you've heard the news that the guy who's playing Matt in the first season of the show has mm-hmm. already been replaced with a new guy for season two. Yeah. That's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Um, I, I feel like, um, was it Donald Finn, I want to say, right? I think Something Donald like that, will yeah. do a good job. Um, or it might be, I think I'm mispronouncing his name. I just don't know. But I think I think he'll do a great job, honestly. Um, I have a lot of faith in the casting director of Wheel of Time, simply because uh, I don't know if you had a shared experience on this, but it's the first time I'd actually seen headshots for people that would play roles. And as soon as I saw them, like, for example, uh, with Marcus and, and Parent, as soon as I saw that headshot of Marcus, I was like, oh, that's clearly Parent. Like, that's yeah. every other thing I've seen with him on screen has just really reinforced that for me. Uh, I did not have that experience. Uh, uh, you know, it's I you know, when I when I think about these characters, I have like Michael Kramer and Kate Redding's voice in my head. So sure. I'm, I'm trying to to picture characters with that voice but i have watched that trailer at least six times and i'm in with all of them i think they all look good i'm really excited about it uh i'm I'm really hoping it's going to be a good show and i'm hoping that it's going to be successful enough that they can tell the whole story that they want to tell um i did read that it's probably they're they're trying to do a condensed version of the 15 books but uh good luck to them (laughs) with that but uh i think i think i think it's going to be something something pretty special i told my wife we got hbo max and and she was looking for something to watch and somebody suggested game of thrones i told her i said no i read those i read most of those books they're it's it's pretty crazy you need to be ready for for what you're going to see on screen and she watched it and she fell in love with it and when it was over and i said okay i'm your next one is going to be wheel of time nice i don't know i don't know i don't you know she's not really into that kind of stuff but for some reason she really liked game of thrones I think a lot of people actually would yeah. like that. A lot of people I, they were not fantasy fans liked Game of Thrones. I hear it was kind of popular. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely started. I was very late to watching Game of Thrones, and I, yeah. I have still yet to read the books. I do want to sometime. Um, but it was friends of mine that are not fantasy fans whatsoever that finally got me to watch Game of Thrones. So Yeah. Well, I, I just watched it this just this year. It's the first oh, wow. time I've seen it. And I, oh. I read most of the books i think i got up to the red wedding when you know everybody dies and i was just like i'm done i'm not i can't i can't just watch him kill off all my favorite people all the damn time sure but uh yeah so yeah it's yeah i told her right away when she started watching i said don't get attached to anybody (laughs) because chances are they're not going to survive uh so all right Let's go back to the let's go back to the EP real quick. Something that always interests me, and I I, I asked Michael Kill about this because he he'd been on the show once already. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find because I used to there back in the day, back in the nineties, uh, I was a musician. I played drums. Okay. Um, 
And as a drummer, basically, at least my experience was you come to band practice and the guitar player or the bass player will go, hey, I got a song. And then you just go, "Okay, here we go. All right. That's the song. You know, it's like all I got to worry about is my drum part. Sure. But you're in essence, you know, even though Michael Kill is putting the beats together and all that, you're you're putting this thing together yourself. Sure. So the thing that I find curious is when it comes to, let's say, for example, the Son of Battles. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do you, I'm just I'm trying to wrap my mind around how you work with somebody to come up with a beat for that. Did you already have the flow? And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm picturing you putting together like a scratch track of, of the rap with maybe some basic beats. And then you take it to him and say, put something, make something for this. You know, how does that work? Well, it's a good question. And, you know, in a general sense, let's say with a lot of projects, it really can vary. You know, sometimes the lyrics do come first. Sometimes the beat does come first. With Wheel of Rhyme, across the entire album, quite honestly, uh, Michael would do the beat first. But I would have, let's say, some input in terms of what we're looking for in, for soundscape. So when we first started this idea, um, you know, just, just full transparency, Marilyn was the first song that was actually written and recorded. And Marilyn was the first beat that Michael made for it. Uh, The Wheel Weaves was the second. And you can, if you listen to both of those beats, you can hear how they're kind of really on the same page. You know, we started talking about doing the Wheel of Rhyme and Michael started thinking about fantasy. So he started thinking about, you know, European middle-aged instruments. He started thinking about harps and these sorts of things. And so we were going with those almost exclusively at first. And, you know, Michael, who has not read the Wheel of Time, um, really had this mental picture of that. And so we had to sit down and kind of have a conversation about, hey, you know, the Wheel of Time really pulls in a lot of different cultures, really, I would say, does a good job of pulling into the world's cultures almost as a whole. Uh, So we started talking about using Japanese instruments, uh, Mm -hmm. where Son of Battles came in, and that was the third beat that was made, uh, Form and Flow. I want to say it was one of the next, you know, but... um, you know, through the, those conversations, I was also talking about Watch the Spears was one of those songs that said this absolutely has to be made. It was actually the last song for the album that was written and recorded, but it was the one that I was asking for since the second or third. You know, I was like, well, we have to, I absolutely want to use this part as a hook. I think it's the one part directly from the books that will work as a hook. And it has to have some kind of Middle Eastern you know, influences, some some of that kind of soundscape. So we were talking about the different instruments and sounds we wanted. Michael would find samples or, you know, instruments that he could use and craft for those sounds. And we would make beats based on those kind of sitting together. A lot of times when he made the beats, we were actually sitting together so I could give him direct input on what he was doing. Yeah, that's kind of help because you guys are local to each other. Whereas yes. if he's doing something for, you know, somebody on the other side of the country that's that's got to be kind of weird Absolutely. you know because yeah. he when i think when he and i talked they they had just put out that uh that latest uh two weeks notice nice ep him and, him and tribe one. one yeah so uh that makes me think because i remember watching uh, a live thing that he put up once and uh you're on it playing bass nice and uh at some point don't you escape from a straight jacket <laughs> Where, where does that come in? Because you, 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 you could pick locks. You can escape from a straitjacket. Were you raised by a magician? <laughs> I was not. More is the pity. I mean, my, uh, my parents are good at a lot of things. They never escaped from straitjackets. I was the one that introduced <laughs> that to the family. Um, nice. 
you know, I, I have this habit, and you might be able to tell from albums like the, the Wheel of Rhyme, and it's not the first thing I, I love that I've made a whole rap album about. You know, previously I'd done a little EP on Thor and did an EP on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and, and um, you know, in that same vein, things that I, I really love in my personal life, like lock picking. I tried to find a way to incorporate it in my live stage show at a point. The easiest way that I could think of initially was to escape from handcuffs on stage while rapping. Yeah. It became a big thing for me for a while, and Straight Jackets came into play because there was a girl named Nicole uh, here in Charlotte at the Milestone Club, actually, that was at a show one night. And after the show, we were sitting at a bar and talking, and you know, she's like, I really like the handcuff thing. Have you ever thought about Straight Jackets? And no, I never had at, at any point to, into that you know, realm. But I did have a very good friend named Johnny Millwater, who was a he's a local comedian, but he actually tours nationally. He does a lot of Carnival Cruise Lines uh, yeah. and shows out there on those. And he actually owned a straitjacket because he did a lot of magician stuff when he was younger before he went full fledged into comedy. So me and him started having a conversation about it. He wound up selling me an old straitjacket, <laughs> and uh, I got on YouTube and learned how to escape a, a straitjacket, and it just became a thing. So nice. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So what what got you into what made you decide, hey, I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to get up and perform in front of people. That's a good question. You know, I I, I guess it was uh, really kind of a gradual progression in high school. It started off just listening to a lot of rap and rapping along with it and then continuing to rap along with it after the song was cut off. And, you know, through that, I had a, a couple friends approach me uh, just about my voice. You know, they're like, you should you should keep doing that. Um, and it was that little bit of encouragement that I really needed because somewhere in the back yeah. of my brain, I really just wanted to anyway. But I needed that little extra validation to say, I'm not crazy yeah. for wanting this. And so I started, you know, pretty much right out of high school, starting to try and write my own songs, uh, you know, and, and do things like that with varied success, you know, ups or downs, but um, not terribly. Well, I guess it was, you know, it was about 25, 26 when I met Kill, um, but I had already been making some of my own songs at that point, and uh, it was actually a friend in Japan at the time, um, somebody I went to high school with, and they went to Japan after high school, uh, but she stayed actually more in tune with local hip-hop than I did, and she pointed out Michael Kill's music to me, yeah. you know, over a decade ago, and uh, happened to make a post about him on MySpace, if that really dates me, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we found out, hey, we're right beside each other, we should get up and, and hang out sometime, and started making music ever since, so. Is that that is that how the, the Thought Criminals that came is, to be? Yeah. That is, you know, the Thought Criminals is an entity uh, has shifted a lot over time but the thought criminals actually already existed in one you know form or another before i joined and i, I don't think michael would consider it the full-fledged thought criminals until you know the 2011 era but it already went yeah. through some shifts at that point so cool yeah are you guys ever going to get back and do a, a thought criminals thing i think we will um i don't know if it'll be under the thought criminals but yeah. i do think michael and i have some music that will Probably be not too far in the future as well, as well as I know he's working on some solo stuff, um, even as as recently as this you know weekend and making some really good yeah. stuff. So I'm excited when that comes out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to some new Michael Kill. He's Me taking too. his time. <laughs> Quality takes time. That's know, true. So. That's true. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> let me. OK, so with this EP, I've noticed 
Well, let me ask this first. Do you consider yourself a nerdcore rapper or just because I tell people, you know, and I've been t- I'm going to I'm going to be talking to an indie rapper. That's that's what I referred you to. But some of your stuff is very nerdy. So I didn't know how you just I'm a rapper or a, a nerdcore or what, you know, whatever happens to be happens to be. So, I mean, maybe maybe I gravitate a little towards that last statement, but I, I do consider myself a nerdcore rapper. I don't shy yeah. away from the term. Um, yeah. I'll be honest, when I first started rapping, it was not to be a nerdcore rapper. And quite honestly, I didn't know nerdcore rap existed when I started getting associated with nerdcore rap. Um, It just so happens that if you write three or more songs by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you're out of the thug rap game forever. And I didn't know that. (laughs) But no, you know, I I listened to a lot of uh, just, you know, radio rap in high school is the reason I started to rap um, as well as, you know, other, you know, indie rap and uh, these, these sorts of things. I didn't realize nerdcore rap was a thing. I just yeah. um, wanted to write about video games and comic books. And uh, all of a sudden I found out, Hey, there's a whole world of people yeah. doing this. And it was really nice to be included in part of the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just, uh, uh, you know, I grew up in freaking Kansas, small town, Kansas. So as far as hip hop, that I, uh, you know, that I was uh, exposed to growing up was whatever was on MTV because they sure really weren't playing it on the radio sure. around here. So it was like Beastie Boys and Run DMC, maybe the occasional Public Enemy. Um, uh, and then, of course, Yo! MTV Raps came around and that, oh, yeah. that you know, introduced me to stuff like Tribe Called Quest and, and stuff like that. But I nice. was just watching. I, I had to shut it off to come do this. Uh, I got a free trial of freaking Apple TV. Okay. And uh, come to find out, the Beastie Boys story is on there. So I was I was watching something. Nice. I gotta I gotta listen to that License to Ill. I was in junior high when that freaking album came out. Oh man, such a classic! I remember I remember being in our com- our old school computer lab with my Sony Walkman, listening to freaking <laughs> License to Ill, ty- trying to type the lyrics out onto a word processor. <laughs> For some reason, so I thought good. that was cool. I don't know why. That's but, so good. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, King, I had an, I had another question about the EP, and now it's not. It's just kind of it's just kind of floated away like smoke. You um, <laughs> got bail fired. I don't know. Let's talk about the show. Are you looking forward to the show? I'm very much looking forward to the show. I, it's uh, coming up. That's coming up soon. Yeah, like two weeks. Nope. Not even. Not, not even. even. Yeah, it's um, it's huge. I I don't know if I've ever looked forward to a show more than I've looked forward to this one. It almost scares me. And I don't want to put it on too high of a pedestal, you know, because that's dangerous. Well, until this show, it's I never really realized what kind of fan community is out there in regard to the Wheel of Time. Heck, when that trailer dropped a couple of weeks ago, they're up and down on Twitter talking about the, you know, they're having freaking watch parties and... And, you know, like hundreds of people getting together online to watch the trailer together. And this they are they are very active online. And it's it's a very it's it's a very neat thing to see. And so far, they all seem to really love the trailer. So it gives me gives me hope for the show. Um, And it see it looks like we're going to get like stuff from book one, book two and book three in that first season. Yes, that's some crazy stuff. That's some crazy yeah. stuff. What's weird is it 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 kind of hit me the other day because they announced that in season two they announced who was going to be playing Elaine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, but she's introduced in the first book, so exactly. 
it, it I just I'm I'm I think I'm more curious at this point to see how they're how they're putting this story together. Sure. Because I think we're gonna see some stuff from New Spring in this mm-hmm. first season. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Logan is gonna is gonna be a much bigger character right out the gate, mm-hmm. which you you barely saw him in the first book. He was in a cage, you know. Exactly. He didn't have a line it. in the first book. Exactly. But you you think about that first book though, and you're like, nowadays shows like Game of Thrones and 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 the kind of shows that people binge. If they made a season that followed that first book exactly, mm-hmm. I I don't think people would be into it. I think I fans of the book would love it, mm-hmm. but I think people who are just you know looking for the next Game of Thrones, they'd be like, they're just going places <laughs> you know they're just <laughs> fleeing <laughs> fleeing exactly. and the the trollocs i'm really happy about the way they look yes really disappointed that we get didn't get to see loyal in in the trailer <laughs> i think uh it worries me it's like are they not showing him because he doesn't look great or are they just saving that you know it's that's that last tease we're gonna we're gonna keep him for the show and sure I wonder how much I mean, I figure he'll be in the first season a decent bit, but I also wonder how much he will be in the first season. And I do hope it's towards the latter. I, I think if they, yeah. they can pull off Trollocs, the, I think he'll look amazing, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's a, a, a scene in the trailer where they're all standing in front of the way gate mm-hmm. and the way gates outside. And it, yeah. there's there's a, a figure with them that somebody pointed out online. That's got to be loyal right there. Exactly. And, it's like, well, he must be standing off in the distance because he looks like he's about this or he's crouched because <laughs> he's supposed to be really tall. He is. But, you know, if if he's not as tall as he was in the books, it's, it's kind of like with Rand. You know, I've seen a lot of people online uh, talking about, well, Rand's not taller than everyone else. Yeah, yeah. The show is ruined for me. And Whatever. <laughs> I, I feel like if you get caught up on the, those details so much. Yeah. There's not a possibly a show that could be made you're gonna enjoy. Just you know, re- yeah. real talk. Um, I'm excited about the changes, which I don't think is a popular thought, but I just don't think you could do a line for line Wheel of Time show no. and it'd be fun visually to watch. So no, I, I think anybody who goes into an adaptation TV show that's based off a book or a comic, hoping that it's gonna be a scene by scene, line by it. You're going to be disappointed every single time because there's stuff that works on a comic book that doesn't work on the movie screen. There's stuff that works in a prose book that's not going to, you know, it's it's why these different, you know, things are out there because there's different there's there's different things you can do in each one. And, and you have to play with those strengths. And uh, I, I think I don't know. I think the TV show is going to be amazing. Um I'm just I'm interested in because, you know, you think about a character like Rand, for example, and I'm looking at this kid that's playing Rand and I'm like, okay, he looks like a innocent, wide eyed farm boy. But is he going to be able to play a hard ass, you know, freaking dragon reborn later on down the series? That's true. Uh, Same with Perrin, you know, Perrin's supposed to be kind of just this slow methodical you know but then he just you know that's the thing about those three characters those three boys is that as i'm as the books go along i got i'm listening to a rand chapter and i'm like rand's the best man he's awesome he's my favorite and then they go to a because later on down the road you know they all three separate and matt is in charge of that god i can't think of the name of that group now it's like the the, his, his little the group of band soldiers. Of the red hand. Yeah, the band of the red yeah, hand. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so looking forward to that. So then, so, then I get a Matt chapter like that. And I'm like, nope, Matt's my yeah. favorite. He's the coolest. Yeah. And then I'll I talk. get a, 
Yeah, then I get a parent chapter, and he's back in Emmons Field protecting them from freaking Trollocs and just kicking so- ass. And I'm like, ah, oh, parent's my favorite, you know? <laughs> he, Robert Jordan was really good about that, and he's really good about just these characters change so much. They do. Over the they course do. of this this book, and I'm looking forward to seeing that happen on the TV screen. Absolutely. Night to day, back to night again. Mm-hmm. Back to, you know, one of those Alaskan, you know, 36-hour days. He, you know, it's it's funny. I said earlier that Matt is probably my favorite character, and he is. I'm not backpedaling on that. But I think it's worth pointing out to what you just said. Matt is not my favorite character until about midway through book three. And I can't stand Matt before that point, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's wild to have a series that you can say, well, you can read about two and a half books before you actually get to where this character becomes my favorite character for the rest of the series. That yeah. just doesn't once, happen with other things. Once they start incorporating all that stuff where he can suddenly, you know, remember stuff from past lives and yes. and fight. And, and when he starts uh, freaking uh, leading battles and, mm-hmm. you know, sh- strategizing and picking where the armies are going to go and that kind of stuff. And for, yes. for me though, with Matt, what really did it for me. And I think this is, I think it's coming up in the third book when he's in Tar Valen, he's mm-hmm. been healed yes. and he's hanging out watching the, the young orders in training. And he's basically giving him a lot of crap. Oh yeah. And he, uh, the guy who's training him, you know, he's like, we'll pick up this quarter staff and, you know, see what you can do. And he just starts kicking their butts. Yes. And the guy's like, see, one farmer with the quarter staff can be more yes. dangerous than and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes. Matt's kicking butt. Yeah, that's I think that's the moment that I went. All right. Matt's pretty damn cool. Exactly. That That is, I feel like, the defining Matt moment. It's, it's like the defining moment where his character shifts, you know, into something new. And um, it really just expands from there. I don't think he's the son of battles at that moment. He's, no. he's still the gambler. He's the dark one's luck, you know, and, yeah. and has that on his side. Um, but the role he steps into is just truly, truly incredible. It's so good. That That moment is more like, showing that Matt can take care of himself if necessary. You know, Matt can step up to some people and take him down if he needs to. And it's just, it just, you know, it's funny when we talk about stuff like this and just little memories, it, I just suddenly remembered that at some point that little kid starts following him around. Yes. Uh, Yes. Oliver. Oliver. That's right. Yes. And then he, uh, he, he's like destined to Matt's destined to marry the daughter of the nine moons or something Mm -hmm. like that. And man, Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, the, they, they change so much they do. from that first book. It's just it's just crazy. And, do. you know, I haven't read. I don't know if you've read a lot of new fantasy. Not as much as I would like, to be yeah. honest. So. The, yeah, neither have I. I read uh, because of Brandon Sanderson. I, I, I listened to his uh, missed books. They're pretty oh, good. Mistborn? They're amazing. Yeah, yes. The Mistborn books. Those are pretty yeah. good. Um, and then I, I I don't even remember the name of the, the trilogy I listened to last year, but it was really dark and uh did not end well and it really i wish i did a i did a i did an episode about the first book along a while back one of my listeners is listening and he's beating his head because it was the episode that got him onto the that got him listening to the show because he loves that book nice i can't remember the name of it but uh anyway yeah so first three episodes are dropping on friday the 19th they are. i uh i took the day off <laughs> nice. I'm a little envious. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, I had a bunch of vacations saved up, so I thought 
I'll yes. use it around. I'll use it around Thanksgiving. Nice. Take advantage of that holiday. So I said, well, if I'm going to do that, take Friday off first. Stay home. Watch the Wheel of Time. Smart. So, Smart move. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you let I know some people when they watch shows like this on streaming, you know, you got Netflix that drops the entire season at one time mm-hmm. and then everybody else does it. Well, they're, they're starting to do this thing now where they drop the first two or three episodes on the same day. And then the rest of the season you get every week. Mm. How do you prefer watching your shows? I like the way Amazon's doing it. Um, I like incrementally. Netflix is cool, but it really, you know, especially with the Internet and how we all like to talk about the experiences that we all share at this point. You know, we, we want to live tweet them as we watch yep. them. It becomes this race, in my opinion, to just ravenously consume this media instead of yeah. enjoy it. I'm like this about video games these days. Um, I will not enjoy a game I really love and just play it like it's my job because I'm so worried that I'm going to have something spoiled for me if it's story heavy or something like that uh, to where, you know, releasing three episodes at once after everybody's been waiting for it this long, I think it's really, really great, but I'm glad they're stopping there. And then we have a little, at least like a week buffer that we can all talk about that, enjoy it, get ramped up for the next one. And, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. I think it adds a lot. It adds to the conversation. It adds to the, the community to be able to kind of go through it slowly together. So, I agree. We saw that with uh, WandaVision. Yes. That was a show that I think if they dropped the whole thing at one time and I watched it all over over a day, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it much. But the experience of watching an episode and then spending a week Mm-hmm. talking to people and your theories and, 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 you know, what does this mean? And pointing out all the little mysteries and then finding out the next week that everything you thought was wrong, you know, I, that's, it's, it's more of an experience that way. And, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this. And then you get something to look forward to every week. You do. Absolutely. I remember when uh sweet tooth, I don't know if you watch sweet tooth on Netflix. Amazing. It was so good. Yeah. Loved it. So Same good. in one day. And then it was over and I was sad. Yeah, we we took a while to watch it, um, even yeah. with it being on Netflix. But that's Netflix for you, you know. Mm. Uh, I definitely was wary of getting on Twitter while we were watching Sweet Tooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That's you know that's it's a it's a joy and a curse at the same time because there's always those a <laughs> holes out there that love to be the first person to spoil the entire mystery to everybody. It's, Absolutely. It's just, it's just it's their favorite thing in the world. I can't wait to tell everybody <laughs> that Luke is is uh, or Darth Vader is Luke's father. You know, it's like Jesus, settle down. By the way, Dumbledore dies. Just wanted to let yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a, a funny story I like to tell when the, uh, the they did the new Star Wars trilogy. J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams, the first one came out, mm-hmm. and uh, we just don't go to the theater much anymore because it's just sure. just way too damn expensive. Sure. And uh, when it finally came on DVD uh, the day before I went out to get it so I could watch it, my youngest daughter says, well, you know, the Han Solo dies in the movie. Right. And I just looked at her and said, why would you tell me that? I had been successfully avoiding all these spoilers for almost a year. And she had she didn't know she was young enough that. Wow. She didn't know, and so yeah. But luckily enough, uh, it's still kind of. I almost forgot about it in the Good. movie, and then and then he's standing there on the bridge, and I just went, "Oh crap, he's gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> I 
you you pretty much know it's coming at that point, but you, you don't want to know. Yeah. For yeah. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. That was almost spoiled uh, for me just by an interview with Harrison Ford, because um, I don't think he exactly spelled out that he dies in it, but I'm pretty sure he explicitly said, "I only agreed." to do this if they kill him or if they kill you know, on solo and i'm like oh um yeah he wanted to die in the first one and then he wanted to die and it's like he wanted to die in all the movies he tried to get george lucas to kill him off in the first one and then when the second yeah. one came around and he goes into the the carbonite he's like okay this is where you kill me and it's what's his deal what's his problem <laughs> i'm not sure and then meanwhile in real life he's like indestructible didn't he go right. down <laughs> in a plane while filming that and was just got yeah. out with a sprained ankle was like oh okay jumping in his plane and rescuing people <laughs> and off mountaintops and jump like that <laughs> freaking guy so uh one of the things that i that michael kill and i talked about when he was on and it's it's not it's it's a little bit different now okay but the whole covid thing okay right uh When's the last time you went out and performed live? Oh, wow. Early last year. So it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, I probably had a show right before we started locking down. I want to yeah. say, you know, around February. And uh, even when we did that show, there was this this thought of, um, you know, you, you're seeing everything escalate and ramp up. Places hadn't started closing down yet, but it was almost clear, like, you, you could imagine it wasn't a far-fetched imagination to say oh this is about to start happening so even at that show there was this moment of this might be our last show for a bit you know we made yeah. sure to make the most of it but i haven't performed since then i haven't done any live stream shows or anything like that yeah miss it i do i do i enjoy uh i enjoy performing live and i've intentionally not done any live stream shows and maybe that's a misstep but one of my favorite things about performing is getting out and getting to connect with people yeah, live stream shows are different. You don't have somebody standing right there in front of the stage. Exactly. You know, yeah. That's the, the, the two things I always enjoyed most about playing in a band was playing live and then yeah. being in the studio recording something. That was, you know, practices I could I could do without, but we <laughs> we always practice three times a week. Oh, that's a lot of practice. Oh that's yeah, we were we were serious. We were gonna you know, I I joke all the time that uh, I I didn't go to college because we were gonna I was gonna be a rock star that was the that was the career <laughs> path for me, and in high school my guidance counselor would say well you need a backup plan sure and and I would say but if you have a backup plan you're setting yourself up for failure ooh but backup I'm not a rock star they don't I'm, believe in themselves exactly exactly <laughs> that's how I felt and uh, I I'm not a rock star but I you know I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it whatever. <laughs> I uh, kind of had the same plan in high school, and uh, yeah. still still rolling with that until I decided otherwise. So, I'm just you know I'm all, I'm always amazed with people who, um, you know, they have that idea in school. You know, I'm going to be this, and then they just go out and freaking do it. And I sure. guess I just didn't have that kind of drive because sure. after a while, as much as I enjoyed playing the music, after a while it got to feel like a job. Oh, yeah. And it was a job I wasn't getting paid for. Sure. And I just decided, you know what? I, what? Why am I even doing it then? If I'm not enjoying it, just stop. Oh, absolutely. So I stopped. And I spent uh, almost two decades not ever playing the drums. And yeah. Uh, just recently got together with, with the boys <laughs> and uh, got back there for a little bit. And it's like, damn, nice. I can still remember how to do this. Nice. Like, pretty cool. I think a lot of people, like, you have that direct experience, so I know you know, 
But I think a lot of people don't realize there's a big difference between making music and playing music and being a musician. And, and the fact that being a musician is this extra step of all these extra things that might not necessarily have anything to do with playing music. You know, yeah. do, do you promote yourself? You know, do you book yourself? Are you, you know, taking all these extra steps to, to make sure your music is heard? Are you getting out and, and you know, doing this promo? Are you, and to be honest, there's a lot of those steps. I, I don't enjoy myself. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I've, I've heard some people that, do I like the actual music they put out? No. Have they went really far with that music because they're really good at all those other things? Yes. And yeah. I got a lot of respect for them for those reasons. Yeah. So, but, um, it's you like know. you need, you ultimately, you need three things. You need talent sure. to a certain extent. Sure. Uh, cause you gotta be able to do it. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. need to, you need to be committed. You need to have that drive. You need to, like you said, know how to promote yourself and get out there in front of people. And you need to be able to sell to a certain extent. The nice sure. thing about being in a band mm-hmm. is that as long as one person in the band could do that, mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to worry about that. Part. <laughs> there was always one, there was always one guy in the band that would go out and do all that. So that was the nice thing about being in a band. But the third thing you need is just freaking dumb luck because sure. the, the talent and the drive is fine. It'll get you to a certain point, but if you don't, if you're not lucky enough to get in front of whoever you need to get in front of, sure. You know, there's a lot of really, really good bands and mm-hmm. really good musicians that are just, just you know, not a lot of people know about because they haven't had that luck. And and I'll tell you what, people who are successful, you know, a lot of these, you get some of these people that 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 have made it. And mm-hmm. you, you talk about that luck and mm-hmm. and some people will admit that's true and mm-hmm. other people just pisses them off. Luck had nothing to do with it. I was talented and I went out there and I worked my tail off. Yes, you did. Sure. But you were lucky enough to get in you know to get in front of the right person at the right time. You know? Because <clears throat> the the talent and drive, you need that. Mm-hmm. But there are a hundred thousand other musicians out there with just as much talent and drive. And in this day and age, it's easier than ever mm-hmm. to exactly. make this to make this stuff and get it out there in front of people. I think about that now, you know, being a musician back in the 90s and we, we had to go into a recording studio and put stuff on a cassette tape and, yeah. you know, call, you know, book local clubs and go. To, hey, well, you still do that. You go to open mics and all that kind of junk. But sure. You know, as far as you could, you couldn't say, go check me out on YouTube, you know, exactly. But at exactly. the same time, that makes people lazy. The the people, you know, the audience can be kind of lazy. Would you agree? It's like I got 16 different bands I can check out online. Eh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, there's there's an oversaturation in, in mm-hmm. a lot of aspects, and there's a big shift in in a lot of things. I don't know if people. Let's say in a in a real general sense, I don't know if people go to uh, shows the same way they used to. I don't know if uh, certain things appeal to people the same way they used to. Um, honestly, I think, and this is a little bit of a deviation from the original topic, but still in the same vein, I don't think people listen to song lengths the same way they used to even. That's why I almost like EPs more than LPs. Yeah. In most instances, because I think the attention span is more rapid fire. You know, I want to be able to enjoy this much quicker and then, you know, move on to the next thing because everything is so immediate right at our fingers. You know, it's, I remember when I first got on the Internet, 
and would get on IRC chat and spend an hour to download an MP3. And you best believe I wore that MP3 out. Yeah, I waited yeah. that hour for it at a yeah. 14 4 modem with my father picking up the phone and interrupting the connection yeah. once in the middle. <laughs> um, but now I get a whole EP as soon as I click on it, you know, yeah. and I could get the next EP just as easy. So thanks for makes. It makes more sense. Uh, you know, what What would you rather put out? Uh, a four-song EP with four great freaking songs on it mm-hmm. or back in the day when a record company would tell you, all right, you got five really good songs, but you need nine to make an entire album. You know, how many albums have you bought that have just four or five just great songs on them and the rest are just fillers? And you don't have to do that now, which is great. You know, you... You, you kill your babies and you put your best ones on there and you put that stuff out there. And then maybe one day somebody's going to be like, I like this guy enough that he can put all his B-side stuff on on on, on one collection and throw <laughs> that out there and say, this this is what I was doing back then. And, you know, the, I don't know if you've ever heard the theory of a thousand true fans. Everybody needs one thousand true fans. A true fan is somebody that's going to buy anything you put out. Sure. sure. You got a thousand of them. You're set for life. You know, gotcha. then, okay. then, then all you got to do is put stuff out often enough that these thousand people will buy your stuff and then you're set. That's all you need anymore. That's a, that's that's something I've, I've, I've heard quite often is the, the thousand true fan theory. And, gotcha. you know, you've got you've got a, you've got true fans. You know, you got folks that will uh, pick and choose what you put out there. And then you got folks that whatever you put out there, they're going to buy it. That's one of your true fans. Sure. You just need a thousand of them. <laughs> just a thousand there's what 5.5 billion people in the world you can you can find a thousand <laughs> i'm sure i could i'm sure i could maybe maybe i'll take out a facebook ad or something after this but uh oh, no, I, I, yeah yeah <laughs> womp, womp. um <laughs> i am blessed to, to to say i definitely have some true fans out there and i've had a lot of uh you know fans get at me after putting out the wheel of rhyme and mention to me how you know, I've never read the, read the Wheel of Time at all. I was just excited you're putting out an yeah. album. Yep. And a couple of them have said, now I'm interested in yeah. reading the Wheel of Time. And to me, that's the biggest compliment. I don't even know if they realize it, but that's the biggest compliment I could possibly get on this. That's if cool. one person reads the Wheel of Time because of it, job is done. Yeah. I could hang cool. up the hat. <laughs> that's a commitment, too. You it know, is. something that you put out, somebody said, I'm going to read 15 books now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's not like freaking Lord of the Rings. All right, I'll read these three books. It's like, nope, I'm gonna read 15 books. Yeah, you, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be in the trenches for the greater part of a year. So yeah. um, that's where the Audible subscription comes in. Absolutely, that's, that's what makes it great. You know, uh, uh, Rosamund Pike, mm-hmm. who's who's playing uh, Moraine, mm-hmm. she just recorded her. They you can get that on Audible now. Her, she's reading The Eye of the World. I don't know album? if she's going to end up doing. Yeah, I think it's out. Nice. I don't know if she's going to end up doing the whole the whole series. But but that's I'll tell you what, that's what I liked about Michael Kramer. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, why can't I think of her name right now? Kate, uh, Kate Redding. Kate Redding. Yeah. You know, I was listening. Like I said, I take my my kids to school every morning and I'm listening to the book. And uh, at one point it switches from Michael Kramer to Kate Redding. And my daughter goes, what? what that, that Now there's a girl on here. And I explained yeah. to her, I said, yeah, some of these chapters are from the point of view of a man. And some of them are from the point of view of a woman. Yeah. And so they just they switched it up. And I think that's pretty cool because I've yeah. read I've listened to books where the main character is a woman and it's mm-hmm. being read by a man. And that makes no sense to me at all. Sure, sure. Absolutely. 
I think they handled it right. It's funny though in some of the early books how they both pronounce certain certain fake words that Robert Jordan made up. How they how they pronounce them differently. And I think as the books go on, I think some of the directors are like, okay, you guys are saying these wrong, you know. Get on the same page. I definitely noticed that. And uh, one thing I noticed through just starting to kind of dip toes into the the massive Wheel of Time fan community is there's even, you know, just, just animosity is way too strong. But there's just a little bit of, you know, let's say particularity about pronunciation of the way they pronounce things. So if I'm being honest, there's a lot of times I try and avoid using specific names because I'm, I'm thinking in my head somebody is going to yeah. not like the way I pronounce this. I'm used to saying Tar uh, Tarvalon, for example. I was listening to a podcast the other day where someone was saying Tarvalon, and then I was yeah. immediately on Internet. Yeah. How, how do we really say this, y'all? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I the way I figure it is Robert Jordan was still alive when they started recording the audiobooks. So if they were mispronouncing stuff in the audiobooks, I would think he would say something, you know, so I kind of. But at, at the same time, the Harry Potter books, depending on whether you listen to the uh, the American uh, version of the audiobooks or the British version of the audio audiobooks, I feel like one pronounces Voldemort different than the other. One says Voldemort and the other says Voldemort. So oh. I think I think she meant it to be Voldemort. But then because of the book, because of the audio books and the movies, it's like, all right, well, everybody's saying Voldemort. So that's, that's what we got to do. But it, yeah, it is interesting like that. Cause, uh, uh, well, I, I still hear people, uh, I don't know how into comics you might be, uh, Hellblazer with John Constantine, which I've never actually read, but I still hear people pronounce him as John Constantine. And I'm pretty sure it's John Constantine, but it, that that always makes my makes my ears wrinkle when I hear somebody do that. <laughs> so I can imagine, heck, that that episode I just I put out about the eye of the world when I because I recorded it a few weeks ago and just recently I I was actually putting it together and I realized that at one point in the, in the in the episode I'm saying Egwene and then later in the episode I'm saying Egwene. So uh-huh. <laughs> even in even in one sitting I'm 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 pronouncing names incorrectly so it's easy to do particularly with those those fantasy names and, and fantasy words um look at the old tongue and yeah. i know somebody out there can pronounce all that perfectly but not me i'm not going to be the one and <laughs> it's like those people that can speak klingon there we go and then they've learned dothraki <laughs> and now people are going to be speaking the old tongue absolutely uh, yeah. you know uh I know at least on, on Twitter of time, they have started to decipher some of these uh, songs that have come out from the score from the show, mm-hmm. uh, which apparently have old tongue in them. And they're already hard at work translating all these songs, um, which is impressive. And, and frankly, I'm just impressed that they thought enough to put the old tongue in these songs. I think that shows yeah. a level of dedication to the source material that um I'm, I'm I'm personally excited about it. It's a really good sign to me. So, well, the goal at this point is to get one of these songs from the Wheel of Rhyme into something associated with the show. If it's like a freaking <laughs> bonus feature or something where they're so, they're uh, they're doing like a montage of behind the scenes and they're playing like freaking the Son of Battles or something, that'd be that would be pretty sweet. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'll need to get on the phone and, and contact uh, Donald Finn, uh, Finn today. He might hang up on me because I'm mispronouncing his name, you know. <laughs> Who knows? 
exciting. Exciting time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I, like I said, I, well, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the album cover real quick for your EP. Sure. Okay, yeah. so is that, okay, so basically it's a, I'm looking at it right now. It's a, it's a recreation of the, the Eye of the World book cover. Mm-hmm. Now, is that Michael Kill as Lan? It is absolutely Michael Kill as Lan, yes. And then that's you as Moraine, and you're holding a little, <laughs> well, we call them, I don't know if it's PC, we called them ghetto blasters when I was a kid, but now they call them boom boxes. Oh, yeah. Boom boxes oh, yeah. is probably more proper. Probably probably more more current, but I've heard them both ways and, and enjoy it, yeah. Who did that? That was... Uh... Ryan Paul Holderson. Um, okay amazing artist he, he does a really fun web uh, comic called slackmatic um he and i actually worked on a comic book years back when i put out my last album rebirth um if you buy it digitally it actually comes with that comic called rise of the aborted clone but um i sent him the worst stick figures you could imagine with like kind of a script out and he made an amazing comic out of it um made it look like i had some talent along the way i mean he's that good of an artist but when i first had this idea you know i i had a couple different cover art ideas in my head but when michael and i started talking and it came up what about us just as this eye of the world cover with you is that really big knight there you know he didn't know the character or something yeah, you could be the the really giant knight there i want to i want to be the, the the petite girl on that horse and he's like oh he laughed he barely laughed and it's like yeah this has definitely got to be it so sent the idea to ryan ryan said it's one of the hardest ideas he's ever yes. done but he enjoyed doing it yeah it's done really well yeah. i mean there's there's no mistaking what that's you know it's it's really good i really in the wheel of rhyme come on that's genius that yeah i love that i love that title that that actually may, reminds me of the the question i was going to ask earlier because typically when uh y'all in the the nerd core genre mm-hmm. put something out mm-hmm. There's always somebody else on on there with you. And I was really quite surprised that Michael Kill didn't didn't, you know, mm-hmm. do any didn't didn't do any rapping on this. And I had to assume he's probably just never read the books. Is and, it, and is that the case? It would be a very fair assumption that yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. And uh you know, one one thing with Nerdcore and and I don't wanna I wanna be delicate with this, let's say, but but there were a lot of Nerdcore fan projects where you know, they become a little bit of Wikipedia raps, let's say. You know, you, you jump on a project and maybe you yeah. haven't seen that source material. You're not a fan, yeah. but you're a great rapper and you're a friend of the person doing it. And then all of a sudden you're trying to study the subject to, to appeal to those fans. And um, Michael and I kind of talked about that early on. I mentioned to him about being on this album because Michael obviously is an amazing rapper, just like he's an amazing producer. I would have loved to have him on it, but we both kind of came to that conclusion of, you know, this is one of those topics you, you really should be a fan, you know, uh, of. And uh, that's why at the end, I, I do have, you know, Witch Boy, Lil Yazzie on it. They're both Wheel of Time fans, both big yeah. Brandon Sanderson fans is actually how we kind of fell into finding out they both love Wheel of Time as well. But um, beyond that, I, I didn't really want to have anyone on it that wasn't, an actual wheel of time fan let's say well and, and you know there's not a lot of nerdcore uh rapping that's done about fantasy novels there's sure. game of thrones but that's because <clears throat> of the show sure. you know it seems like nerdcore kind of focuses on uh it's either comics mm-hmm. uh what's kind of going on in the pop culture mm-hmm. uh wrestling uh sure. and then just 
you know, MC Frontal likes to do old video game stuff, you sure. know, or or video games in general. A lot of Nerdcore d- does a lot of stuff about video games, which is, you know, you you talked about some of your some of the people who listen to the Wheel of Rhyme and have never read the books, but they just wanted to listen to something that you put out. That's, sure. you know, Adam Warrock would put stuff out about video games. I'm not a video game guy, but I'd listen to the I'd listen to the freaking to the songs and really enjoy them. Yeah. And uh, the he he did a, a Game of Thrones, uh, I think, EP at one point. And Kirby yeah. Crackle did a, did a Game of Thrones song. Loved him. Never really got him. And then sure. I'm I'm watching the show and it's like, ah, oh, no, I'm understanding some of these references now. <laughs> kind of funny. But uh, you became Captain America there. I understood that reference. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to folks picking this up, I would always I, I direct people to the Bandcamp. Sure. You know, I remember it, it, Michael Kill just put out that it's now on Spotify, mm-hmm. and I did buy the album on Bandcamp, uh, but I was really okay. glad that it was put on Spotify because that's what I got on my phone. Sure. And I have yet to been able I, I can't get my freaking phone to sync up with the Spotify on my computer. So songs that are not on Spotify will show up on my damn phone. I can't get it to work. I've, I've done everything. So when it came. So if when I listened to the to the to the EP in my car, mm-hmm. I had to pull up the Bandcamp app gotcha. and just listen, listen to it through there. But you make more through Bandcamp than you do through Spotify. Right. You somebody yes. buys the EP through Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. You're getting more of that than if they just listen one time to the EP, right? Oh, yes, yes. Because you're getting more. like what half a penny or something per listen. Oh, if, half if a even penny that. is generous. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Which is which is pretty crazy. So anybody who's listening, I mean, I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the the links in the show notes, but go mm-hmm. buy this sucker on Bandcamp. What's what's it going for on Bandcamp right now? It's five dollars. Five bucks. Come that's on. It. Yeah. Five bucks. There's nine songs on it. One is a is an introduction. One is a remix. But still, five bucks. That's a good that's a good price. And, uh, you know, you want to support Sulphur, get it on Bandcamp. And then if you want to listen to it on Spotify, that's fine. But, hey, but I, don't I appreciate it. I, I will say it's more important for me if you like Wheel of Time or if you like Nerdcore Rap. Just listen to it. You know, it's yeah. OK to go to Spotify. It's OK to go to Title. And if you like it, you want to you want to have a copy yep. of it. Please go to my Bandcamp. Easiest way to get there is just sulfurmusic.com. S-U-L-F-U-R. Go straight to my Bandcamp. See, that's and, how you get them thousand true fans. Yeah, they start listening through Spotify, and then they're <laughs> like, I really like this guy. I'm going to throw some support his way. Then they Absolutely. go to Bandcamp, and they buy it. Yep. Absolutely. I just uh, I just want people to hear it, quite honestly, particularly yeah. you know if, if you're a Wheel of Time fan or you know maybe you just like nerdcore rap, and maybe you're a future Wheel of Time fan, and you, you don't know it yet. So... Is, has anybody from Dragon Mount reached out to you yet? Nobody has yet. I actually uh, sent them an email as well. I, I'm, I'm hoping I can, you know, get their attention. But at the same time, it's a real busy time for Wheel of Time fans. I, I can't know, put my finger yeah. on why. But yeah, uh, I don't know. They're crazy. <laughs> they're there. I read just the other day that they're that uh they have uh, communities that are renting out like freaking theaters mm-hmm. to to play those first three episodes on the on the 19th. That's exciting. It's it's crazy exciting because there's a lot of there's a lot of hardcore fans for a lot of different 
things out there, but I, I've yet, I haven't seen it like this, like with wheel of time. It's sure. And it's, it's, it's fun because, you know, I said that I was, I was going to finally go back and read all the books once they came out. And I think the last one was in 2013. Yeah. And yet here it is 2021 and I'm just, I'm just starting to get back into it. And it's because of the, because of the show, but it was a huge part of my life for, for, for many, many years. It, it was, it was, just a, a, a big part of my life and it's it's going to be fun to see it adapted on tv i agree i agree you know re- reading as a kid it's funny um i'm a i'm a pretty tattooed individual now uh, but just you know for perspective and context i remember when i was reading as a kid i looked at that old school wheel of time logo and i thought to myself even you know what 12 13 I'm going to get this tattooed on my body at some point. It was the first thing in my brain that I knew I was going to get tattooed on me. And it wasn't until I finished the series a few years back that I finally got that tattoo. And by this point, I had to find space for it. I got it directly on my elbow, actually, (laughs) because I'm just running out of real estate. But, um, you know, just think about thoughts like that, how long it's it's been with me. You know, how long if you would ask me at any point between you know that age and and now in my 30s hey what's your favorite fantasy oh it's definitely the wheel of time i didn't have to finish it to feel that way and um it it didn't just it doesn't disappoint at the end i'll put it that way so yeah dragon lance for me was the gateway nice and then wheel of time was the reward There we go. There we go. Yeah. Kind of same. Kind of same. And I like Dragonlance. Uh, I remember Raceland as a character was uh, always one of my favorites. But once I started reading Wheel of Time, I really didn't didn't look back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to to compare. It is. You know, it's it's, uh, it's got so many roots in um, just just the world, the the world around us as well. You know, all the way down to little details like the Illuminator. So think about things like that. Yeah. The Illuminators and their fireworks and, and that whole thing for me was this really cool, something that we see in real life, but it's this embodiment into the fantasy world and the way to pull it or the way the dragon is a reference to a person and it's not this mythological creature flying around and breathing fire. Yeah. All felt like really creative reinventions of, you know, things that we see in fantasy or references we see in fantasy, but done differently. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, and the white cloaks, you know, it's interesting okay. listening to the books now, and it's mm-hmm. it's like, wow, these guys are just ultimately, if if you uh, are not, if you don't believe everything they believe in, then it's, you're just automatically an evil dark friend, period. It's just <laughs> straight up black and white for them, and I find it very interesting. I never put it together back then, but I find it very interesting that they wear white cloaks. Yes. You know? what, what was he trying to say there? I wonder. But, <laughs> But, you know, it's like message. You, you see that all the time online. These people that are like, if you're not with us, then you're against us. Plain and simple. There's no middle ground. We're not going to listen to your ideas. If you don't want to if you're not going to believe what we believe, then you are an evil son of a bitch, you know, and we're going to kill you for it. And that's what these guys are. And you just, you know, you just hate them. <laughs> oh, yeah, Absolutely. And I, I gotta say, I really enjoy the the little glimmer we've got of white cloaks so far in the show. I've seen some yeah. back and forth on the, you know, the costumes, and I actually really love them. It wasn't what I expected when I first yeah. saw it. You know, I was like, well, this is not what I pictured at all. But from just looking at it for longer than two seconds, um, 
I really, really love it. And like one of the last trailers, there was just this real brief clip of one of the white cloaks putting an Aes Sedai ring on the side, yeah. you know, and there was just a bunch of Aes Sedai rings already yeah. there and then it clips to, you know, That's an Aes Sedai being burned. Yeah. And I'm like, these, you know, the white cloaks weren't so much of a joke in the books, but I kind of laughed at them a lot of times. Yeah. Like, oh, these guys are a little harmless, right? Does not appear like that in the show. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, for my listeners... You know that that the week after that first those first three episodes drop, jump over to the streaming fool. I'm gonna be talking about all three episodes over there. So there we go. I will be there. I'll also, be I'm gonna be doing on doing on Friday. Nice. Watch an episode, jump over to the computer, record something. Go watch the second episode, jump over to the computer, record something. <laughs> so I took the day off. That's all. We'll see if I if I got the stamina. I can only talk for so long. Too many, I believe in you, Steve. You got I, well, I don't smoke anymore, but too many years of smoking is kind of <laughs> ruining the well, old throat. Well, I'm gonna listen while smoking. Just right on, so. right on. I used to, I used to, uh, back in like 2006, 2007, mm. I had podcasted back then. Then I stopped for like 10 years, but back then I did smoke, and so it wasn't uncommon to hear me lighting up. You know, every as I was as I was podcasting. Don't do that anymore, though. I miss it. Love. So, you play bass. Mm-hmm. You rap. Mm-hmm. You've written web comics. Mm-hmm. What other talents you got? What other talents do I got? I make a mean omelet, Stephen. It's All really right. good. Onions, peppers, cheese. Um, I, <laughs> I, it's hard to just uh, laundry list talents. I suppose I, you know, I, I play. Uh, guitar based drums but none of those I would say well you know mm-hmm. um, I have made beats but there's a reason uh, you've never heard them you know so there, there's a lot of things I do like that um, but you know I've also um, I like to pick locks in my free time as you know uh, I have started to move from there into safe cracking uh, nice. so I'm trying to learn safe cracking and, and get that under my belt um, you know and I I do a little bit of writing here and there, but nothing that I've ever really ran with yet and sat yeah. down and spent some time with it. And that's kind of something I would like to sit down and spend some time with going forward. But yeah, there's probably other things I'm just not thinking of right now. But um, free time, yeah. I listen to podcasts and play games. Yeah, so. nice. And then you got Michael Kill. Yes. He can make the beats. He can play guitar. He can eat. You just hate that guy sometimes. I mean, I, I, I love him. And I hate <laughs> <laughs> he made he made me call him Mr. Kill the entire time. Did he? he did no, no, he's a nice guy. I like him. Hell yeah, I love Michael. He, he's a brother. Um, I I will say that uh, I've never seen anybody make beats as good as Michael, as fast as Michael. Um, yeah. You know, there was uh, the album I did before this many years. Uh, you know, between this album and my last, but. He did beats on my last album, um, and one of those songs was really just this moment. I was I was hanging out with him. We were talking about things, and I was like, "There's no way you could flip the MacGyver theme into a beat." I just it was almost like a challenge, and I was I was pleasantly surprised that he could. But it was definitely a moment where I was like, "There's no way you could just do that. It's not possible to do." And he had done it in five to ten minutes. And done. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so don't ever challenge Michael unless you secretly want that beat to exist. Like I yeah. did. Hmm. So. That's that's good to know. Yeah. 
So looking at your band camp, you have the Wheel of Rhyme up here and you have Rebirth from 2015. Yes. But you said you did a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and a couple other things. Where, where's all that stuff? They're hidden right now. I, uh, I thought about putting them back on there uh, with Wheel of Rhyme coming out. But um, there was a point where I, you know, kind of moved a lot of my older stuff to private. I've been making yeah. music for a long time. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to move a couple of these just off, like discontinued kind of thought. Um, I'm going to bring them back at some point. But I do like the uh, thought of things being, you know, there's a, there's a time frame to them. You know, enjoy them. Get them. Yeah. Make sure you Because if you don't, you know, 10 years. It's like the Disney now, vault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I might bring it back at some point. So it's coming out of the sulfur vault. Exactly. That's that's kind of the other thought, you know, in the vein where you're talking about, you know, killing your babies and these sorts of things. Some of this older stuff might still come back out as one cumulative kind of release at some point. Yeah. Like some of the best of these yeah. sorts of things. Um, you know, one of my... Uh, my favorite and probably one of the songs I did most off that Thor album was I had a Thor drinking song drink L every day um, of this really good Remy B that was on Nas's Godson which honestly is the whole reason I did a Thor album because I thought of yeah. how funny of a joke it is you know Nas did a whole album called Godson and if I took all the beats from it and did an album called Odin's Son I just thought <laughs> that was the funniest thing in the world and so I did it yeah. Um, but yeah I you know, we actually rewrote that with my wife rapping a verse um, as Jane, you know, who does become Thor at the point, as we know. So that movie is not far from from coming out like next year. Yeah, I think yeah. when they're talking about it. Yeah. Might have to get that remix going. So, there you go. There you yeah. Go. Yeah. All right. So you've mentioned uh, sulfurmusic.com. Link will be mm-hmm. in the show notes. Where's some uh, other places you want to direct people to? Think find you online. Is that like uh, the one stop shop? Yeah, sulfurmusic.com is probably the one-stop shop because it has some links to my social media in the top yep. right of my band camp there. Um, so it's probably the best place you can go. But, you know, yeah. find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, I guess, if you like subpar social media. But uh, I don't judge you. So, you know, by all means. Um, yeah. Facebook <laughs> is like, it's like, to me, it's like Walmart. I don't like going to Walmart, but what choice do I got? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly the best Facebook analogy I think I've ever heard. Um, that's spot on. Thank Absolutely. You. I, uh, I log into it less and less, and I feel better and better for it, to be honest. But um, yeah. I still feel like I, I need to have it, you know, out there. So there's yep. that one person I check up on every couple weeks, only through Facebook. So The nice thing about Facebook anymore is that it seemed like a number of years back, it seemed like, Facebook was getting to a point where if you didn't have a Facebook, you might you might as well just not be online. It's like sure. everything was going to be you couldn't have you. It just almost felt like there was going to be a point where if you wanted to go to somebody's website, it wouldn't exist. You'd have to go to their Facebook. So you were sure. forced to be on Facebook. But the nice thing is that's not the case. It never turned out that way. And I'm Absolutely. sure that it's sure that that what's his name wants it to be that way. But, you know, oh, Zach. Yeah, I uh, I really love VR stuff, and so I was pretty disheartened about Quest 2, you know, the forced Facebook thing. I'm still impressed that the biggest detraction, the, the biggest downside to a $300 VR unit is a forced Facebook login. I think that still speaks volumes for the system, but, yeah. you know, the last thing I want is Facebook to have access to uh, 
to me in VR. That seems problematic. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Take off All and right. I went and just really want to buy products, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those the TVs, the smart TVs that we found out were watching you and you know, hey, that they've got uh, that dude's wearing Nikes. Let's uh, feed that to the marketing team and start sending them. It's bad enough that I visit a, a, a freaking, you know, buy a couple of comic books on one site, then I go to another site and suddenly I got ads for the site I just bought comic books on. And <laughs> that kind of crap shouldn't happen. But I agree. You know, before I proposed to my wife, I uh, I, I picked out her ring online and it almost kind of it almost kind of blew me up before i ever got the chance to propose because for months after that i'm getting all uh, these targeted yeah. ads for rings and i'm like how many how many people you think i'm trying to propose to right, right. now i've already got right. the ring <laughs> and she's like why are you getting all these ads about rings is there something you haven't told me exactly exactly i don't want her to, to get my phone and then all of a sudden say why don't why don't you want me to see your phone you right. know it's, it's not what you think i promise <laughs> right how long you been married uh, just three years. So, nice. yeah, yeah. Nice. It'll be nineteen in uh oh. in December. Congratulations! Happy Thank early anniversary. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. Well, hey, it was good talking to you. Um, Wheel of Rhyme, love it. I think you know the fact that I I think I would like it. Here's the here's here's the here's the compliment. I'll throw you away. Okay. I would like it if if I didn't know anything about Wheel of Time. The fact that I uh, the wheel of time it was a big part of my life for a long time just mm-hmm. makes it that much better. That's awesome. I, I, I get everything. I mean, I'm looking through some of these lyrics. It's like the just right away the first freaking song. You got stuff in there like, uh, well, ages come and ages pass, turn slowly, but it spirals fast, push until I breathe my last. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. It's like, I mean, that song starts out with that that whole thing. You got it near the beginning of every book every time a chapter would start the first chapter of, of a book of that whole ages come and pass what was once myth became you know yeah. love that and then uh god what's some of this other stuff maryland you know when i when i was first listening to this mm-hmm. i would just i just put it on in the background didn't have the you know wasn't looking at it and i would so i didn't know the names of any of these songs as they were coming up so so stuff would jump up like in maryland on the game of houses, uh, day S and just these little references that would just suddenly just sink into my brain and go, Oh yeah, that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff. And Tom, Tom flaming Marilyn. <laughs> love. I love Tom. I do too. I love Tom so much. Um, it was actually a, a, I'll call it the Shaitan version of that song was the one that was first written. But, uh, the first original recording of that did not say Fleming, but it, it became a very <laughs> early choice to say yeah. we should use Wheel of Time cursing in this album. It'll make it more authentic and more accessible. So, well, and the, and the fact that you call him in the original G that just yeah. cracks me up. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the original G. G. He's a Glee <laughs> man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I just uh, you know, in book two is when uh, you find out he's not dead. Nice. And then they kill his his woman. Yeah, that was hard. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna gotta, I gotta go kill some people now. You know? What am I gonna do? Gotta go kill some people. I hope Tom gets some added nuance to his character in the show. You know, there's like so many scenes that you feel like could be expanded on, and I, I could just read some side stories of Tom. You know, point me to a Tom fanfic, I'll read it. Yeah, 
after because I, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I listen to these. I'm listening to this stuff and certain scenes will make me remember something that's coming up. And the only thing I can remember about Tom in future books is him basically being Rand's like the guy who's playing the game of houses for Rand almost, sure. you know, I don't yeah. remember if he's used much beyond that. He is. Yeah. Um, knowing how far you went in the books, I know you'll remember that he does a company with Julian Sandor, accompanies, you know, Nynaeve and uh, Elaine as they kind of start to go on their own travels. There's almost their bodyguard, and there's that whole thing with him and Elaine and yeah. her kind of remembering. But, um, That's right. Yes. As, as you go into those last couple novels, I'm very excited to keep listening to you know your podcast hopefully we even get to talk again about what you think because i can't wait to hear what you think about Todd. well so. and does does queen Morgays get overthrown at some point doesn't she have to her and lenny the nurse and mm-hmm. then that big bodyguard dude and his girl and they have to and then the talonvor yes yeah okay yes. man yes that's coming back okay. yeah it gets deep i i am I'm excited for this show, and I'm also trying to wrap my mind around how they're going to try and make this eight or nine seasons and not more than the books. Right. <laughs> it just makes you wonder if stuff like that, for example, the whole story with more gays, you know, is that are are they going to have to take these little side stories like that because and, and not include them? Because I haven't finished. I don't know how stuff like that might impact the end of the book. So, mm-hmm. you know, but. People just don't know what they're getting into when when they when they crack open that first book. You just don't know don't. really how dense and not dense as in it's a slog. It's it's there's just so many memorable characters and things that happen and it just goes off in so many different directions and it's just so good. The world needs to read these books. It's just I really agree with good. you. I agree with you. And luckily, there's going to be a much more accessible version of the story. Yep. So, you know, um, my mother, for example, I have tried for years to get my own mom to read these books ever since I picked it back up. You know, and as a kid, I remember mentioning it to her as well. But, you know, the last few years, I'm like, ah, I think you would really enjoy this. She's never picked them up, but she is very excited about the show. And so it's going to be this way I can sit down and, and share that with her yep. and with my wife, you know, and these sorts of things. So. Well, unfortunately, at this point, it's uh, it scares people to think about the fact it's like, hey, you want a good book to read? Here's here's Eye of the World. And you almost don't want to tell him there's 14 more books after this. (laughs) You know, it's like you want him to read that first book and let him go. Let him go. That was great. What's next? Here's 14 more books. You know, exactly. Because you you tell him right off the bat. It's like, here's a series you should read. It's 15 books, you know, and they're like, nah, nah. Who's got the time for that? Yeah, I, I, you know, five (laughs) books maybe. Exactly. But fifteen, it's just amazing, and it's and how lucky are we that you know it's we unlucky, unfortunate that we lost him. Mm -hmm. Um, but how lucky are we at the same time that he had such extensive outlines for those last three books that somebody like Brandon Sanderson could come in and easily finish the series. That's the one thing I think I was nervous because I did read that first Brandon Sanderson book Mm -hmm. and I was nervous going into it because I just felt like it's not going to feel like the wheel of time. And it really did. It just, there's almost no difference at all. You just just take his name off the book and you'd never know. Yeah. And we got really lucky there. We did. We did. And, uh, you know, one thing I 
I think I like most about those last three books with Brandon Sanderson is actually right there in that very first one, The Gathering Storm. It's the very first thing. It's the prologue. Um, it's, it's just such a, I'll be honest, I, I like wept openly when I first listened to the prologue for Gathering Storm because um, it's so touching on, on levels. Um, he talks about how the Wheel of Time is one of the reasons he writes fantasy, how yeah. he grew up on it, how he reread it. The same way you were talking in, in your Eye of the World podcast, how you would reread before a new release will come out. He did that for everyone. And then you think about him being approached unsolicited to finish this series yeah. that is part of the reason that he is, you know, involved in what he's doing. And it was just such a, uh, you know, a gripping story. It showed me that he really should be the one finishing this and writing this and had that passion. And then he, he did a phenomenal job, um, you know, without saying anything about it. One of the last chapters in, in the last book, I think, was mainly authored by Jordan. And yeah, you did I, it as an audio book, it's eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> eight hour I think chapter. I think I read that he did. Yeah, he had those last three books, uh, these extensive outlines and had written the ending. Yes. The ending was already written. So and and having uh, written a couple books myself, mm-hmm. uh, you, sometimes you do. You write the beginning and the end and then it's like, crap, now I got to figure out all this crap that's going to come in the middle. <laughs> the ending and the, the beginning and the end's easy. How, nice. how do you how do you get how do you get all this other stuff in the middle? But uh, yeah, and I guess uh, Brandon Sanderson read the first few scripts, the first few episode scripts of the show, mm-hmm. and he's given it his official thumbs up. He said fans of the books will enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I, I get I get nervous. I, I I tend to get overly critical when it comes to uh, special effects. Sure. You know, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna be disappointed. I think I, I think I'm, I think it's just gonna be just fine. I think it will be. I'm excited to hear your thoughts, though. I am yeah. I am uh, famously not critical of much. So, you know, if I go to see a superhero film and two big, super powerful creatures start punching each other in the face, I think, well, this yep. is what I, I paid for. And I'm totally and thoroughly pleased. <laughs> yeah, I, I distinctly remember talking to someone when uh, 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 Peter Jackson's King Kong came out. Yeah. And I said, yeah, we're going to go see King Kong tonight. And they said, man, that's like three hours long. And I've heard it's really slow. And I said, does a giant gorilla fight three Tyrannosaurus Rexes in that movie? And they're like, yeah. And I said, then I'm there. And that's a, you know, I, yeah, I'm the same way. Matter of fact, when I when a movie comes out and it's uh, especially a, a superhero movie or something like that, and people start bad mouthing it right away, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like this movie because you can kind of tell when people start bad mouthing. Uh, really kind of a nitpicky way. Sure. I'm like, oh, I'm probably gonna like this because, uh, you know, Absolutely. I'm just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not all that critical either. I'm, I'm really, I, I'm not a smart man, so I'm not thinking about how everything's gonna turn out for the first five minutes of the movie. I'm just going on for the ride, and I think sure. people just need to do that, and I think they'd enjoy stuff a lot more. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, uh, I think about the two times. I've tried stand-up comedy in my life, which feels like a weird parallel. But the first time I ever tried stand-up comedy in my life, it was um, for this little improv group that always had a stand-up comedian featured in the middle of their improv. And, uh, you know, at one point I was just getting this desire, like, ah, I really want to do stand-up. And I approached the person running and said, I know you've never seen me do stand-up, so it's a big ask. But let me get that 15-minute spot and I will crush it. I promise you. And I actually did. I did really well. 
um, kind of kind of brought the house down, and I had this really good feeling about it. So much so that the next week I went out to a uh, open mic night for comedy, tried some of the same stuff, and did not crush it at all. Yeah. <laughs> and what I realized was, you know, that audience that, that went to the improv show was an audience of people that came to see a comedy show. Yeah. They wanted to laugh. They were waiting for the moment you said something that on any level would make them laugh. And then they were full force. And then when I went to the open mic night and all those people were awesome as well, but they were all other comedians waiting their turn. Very skeptical. Uh, you were going to have to win them over. It was going to have to be the funniest thing to make them yeah. laugh. And um, I think it's just two different styles of going to consume media. You know, are you going into oh, yeah. a movie and this has to win you over? Or are you going into a movie ready to enjoy it and wanting to? Yeah, so. yeah it's. It's it's fun to hear you say that because I you know if you listen to comedians talk about being comedians, mm-hmm. you know they you know if you ever watched any of like Jerry Seinfeld's riding in cars getting coffee with comedians yeah, and stuff like that when they that. just talk about that whole the aspect of being a comedian and how you know you can have this set that'll kill one night in one venue and just nobody will laugh the next night and Absolutely. how sometimes you're you have to spend a year doing these different bits going into comedy places trying stuff out to really get 15 solid minutes you know of of, of good bits and of that's because i you know i'll be i admit it i'm like i, I think i could do stand-up comedy but i don't i don't i don't think i could i don't think i have the the freaking stamina for it it sounds like it's you gotta you really gotta put up with a lot to 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 get to the point where you got some really good stuff because sure some, yeah, like you said, some audiences, you know, can just be incredibly critical. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. Crazy. I think you could absolutely do it and crush it. But just like anything else, you know, you got to want it. Yep. And you got to be willing to go through those nights that ain't great. And I think that's what stalls a lot of people out on any sort of art particularly that involves performance. It's not yeah, about the nights where they love you. <laughs> right. And, it, you know, stuff like that, it's it's a young man's game, young man, young woman's game, because, sure. you know, you get to a certain point in life and, you know, I got a, I got a, I got a wife and three kids. I got a dog. I got two cats. I can't starve while I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, absolutely build something like that. I'm, I'm, my life's built. I, I totally get that, you know. There, there was a point I think uh, younger when I was making music, and I said, "Man, I want to, uh, I want to eat off of this, you know. I, I want, uh, you know, selling music and, and touring to be my income, and I want to do that." And uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I love making music, I love performing, I never want to stop either of those things. But also, uh, I like being able to release things I'm truly inspired by, and then only have to do that. And yep. not have to worry about, you know, paying my light bill off of this album that I need to grind out really fast so I can pay that light bill, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And because that's when you that's when you have to, you know, you uh, until until you can get to a point where you're like the well, like the Beastie Boys. Sure. When you're so big that it doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know, if you're if you're chasing that that dream you you then face the possibility of of uh doing stuff you know writing stuff pandering and sure. you know kind of selling your soul a bit in yeah in, in 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 little little bits throughout the years just to just to make sure you pay that light bill yeah yeah exactly no i get it because you know it's yeah i i 
and it's it's not really a, a good comparison, but I, I've said on the podcast many times, it's like, look, I, would, would I love to be able to just do this full time, get enough people over on my Patreon that I can just pay all my bills and I can just get up in the morning and I'm going to do some podcasting today. You know, that's all I got to worry about. I'm going to watch this show. I'm a podcast. That's all I got to worry about today. That'd be great. But that's not the goal, you know? Absolutely. That's not the goal. That's, uh, you know, because I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And that's really all that's really all we can do. Just find something that you're happy doing. And uh, yeah, got to chase that happiness. However you get it. I agree wholeheartedly. You know, the the best performing advice I ever got was when I was a kid. Uh, My dad was actually just trying to settle my nerves about public speaking, which I used to not want to do as a kid at all. You know, in high school, I would I would leave class before I'd get up and read a paper. Um, which I guess makes it weird. I get on stage and rap at people now. But, you know, when I was younger, my dad told me, hey, as long as you have fun, anyone watching you is going to have fun as well. And I've tried to apply that to both recording and performing um, in terms of uh, of what I'm doing. And anytime I've sat down and wrote something because I have a deadline, because somebody needs it, you know, because I feel Mm -hmm. like it needs to be made, I always look back on it and say, "That's, that's not my best work. I can yeah. hear it. I can tell. Yeah. Um, no judgment on anybody else that doesn't either. This, right. You know, yeah. You, no. You know, but uh, you, get, you can only do what you can do. Exactly. Exactly. And I've and and that's that is kind of the nice thing about being at a point in life where it's like um, I don't have to do this because mm-hmm. you know to go back to podcasting. I've had I've I've started episodes. It's like oh crap, I got to have an episode out tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And sure. sometimes I'll just sit down and start talking, and it's like the best thing I've ever done. And Absolutely. sometimes I'll sit down and start talking and then I'll go back and listen to it. And I'm like, nah, I would much rather say I'm not doing an episode this week, folks. I'd rather sure. you not get anything than get trash. You sure. Know? sure. So, yeah, that's just respecting your audience. You know, yeah. I respect that. Yeah. So that's awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Hey, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun hanging out. Steve. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. I think maybe uh, after that first season's done, maybe we'll get back together and just talk about the talk about the whole season. Please, I, I would love to geek out yeah. over that. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> do a do a special wrap up of the Wheel of Time with the man who gave us the Wheel of Rhyme. <laughs> Michael Kill, he's going to be on the show. That's awesome. <laughs> no, maybe, I got you we- both on, man. I was about to say, maybe we could both come on. Um, what you know, speak, Speaking of watching it with my mom, I should probably have put Michael Kill before that because he's never read the books, but he's going to be watching this show. Good, good, good. I'm very excited to sit down and watch, hopefully even watch this with Kill personally. Um, yeah. So that would be really well, that, cool for us to both come on. Yeah, that would be fun then. Two people that have you know grown up with the stuff and then mm-hmm. one guy who just got introduced to it exactly know. i want to i want to hear that opinion i want to hear the person yeah. that's never read it at all and what they think because i'm i think it's gonna be a good opinion so cool, cool, cool. yeah all right thanks dude i appreciate it anytime gonna... there you go folks that was me talking to sulfur like i said i did a lot of talking and uh I am a little bit embarrassed about that. And now, since I've already apologized to him, I'm going to apologize to y'all. I know that I'm the reason why you tune in. Obviously, it's my podcast. You want to hear my silky smooth tones. But uh, 
I don't know. Next time I'll let him talk a bit more if he's if he's willing to come back on. But that's it. That's the episode, folks. I'm not going to do much of a wrap up because the show is pretty long this week. Uh, I will say that you're going to get another episode next week. And then the show is going to go on a bit of a hiatus. I'm going to wrap up season five with next week's episode. And then I invite you all to join me over at the Streaming Fool the following week. Even though I have been releasing episodes of the Streaming Fool, the the week of Thanksgiving is my official launch of the Streaming Fool podcast. And the plan is to have an episode Monday through Friday, five episodes that week, uh, three of them dealing with the first three episodes of The Wheel of Time, and then two of them dealing with the first two episodes of Hawkeye over on Disney+. Plus. Be there or not. It's your choice. I can't make you do stuff, but you're going to be missing out on a lot of fun. Until then, folks, my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.